Oh, my God. 
five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Most of all, I love me 
this to chant with my son And this old tune from South Why, why? It's our zemer from Istanbul. We now are good friends, which I guess is no Yiddish. And you should hear how after Dracha meant Yiddish. Our wives are now soulmates, the kids love to play. And Kalmin, now it's one big bowl of couscous every day. We look forward to Shabbos to come face our home and the spirit of Kedishedri. Most of all, we love Zibirot to chant with our son. And this whole tune from... It's not a matter of... Kalmin, it's not a matter of... 
This altar from somewhere we see. I am, I am, I am, Thank you. Say how do you do To the lovely world around you And the one who created you These blessings, they surround us In everything we do From the sunrise to the moonlight They'll be right in front of you Give a blessing when you can Learn to bless each other When something don't feel right Give strength to one another Give a blessing when you can Learn to bless each other Something don't feel right Give strength to one another Every day I sing your song There are times to try and prove you wrong And I know that I just need to try some love So snap a picture Self yourself Learn to frame your situation If you're thinking of it all You're missing out some of that information Oh, give a blessing when you can Learn to bless each other When something don't feel right Give strength to one another Give a blessing when you can Learn to bless each other When something don't feel right Give strength to one another Someone who's always on your mind Someone that always falls behind Someone you know Just feeling low Give them a blessing Make them feel right Cause you have a soul And they have a soul And you got the power Just give it all And give them a breath And make them feel right And you have the power To bring down their life Think about all you can do To make it right Think about all you can do To make it right Oh, give them blessing When you can Learn to bless each other When something don't feel right Give strength to one another Give them blessing
JM in the AM. It's brand new from Rogers Park. It's called Blessings here at JM in the AM. Hello, hello. How's everybody doing? Hope you're doing fine and dandy on this Friday morning era of Shabbos. It's Friday, October the 25th, day 26 in the month of Tishrei, the year 5780, Tufshin Pei. Uh, yesterday, Rabbi, Rabbi David Heber was with us, our calendaric trivia expert to discuss 5780. If you missed any of that conversation, I highly recommend If you're really into the calendar and into analyzing how uh, different things fall out calendarically, I highly recommend it. Rogers Park with blessings. Shvashkanaz, done by Journeys, volume number four. Vayivarech. That's Blue Fringe. Baruch Kel Elyon from Mordechai Ben David. It's Shabbos now. That was eighth day. And, of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Bracious. Candle lighting in New York, 541. 541. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Mar Cheshvan will be Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesday and Wednesday, you are Rosh Chodesh Mar Cheshvan. Full day here on the network, as you would imagine. At 9 a.m., it's Table for Two with Naomi Nachman. 10 o'clock for the Erev Shabbos Show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem with Mark Zamek. Harry Rothenberg with the um, Parsha's Bracious video blog at 1 p.m. Erev Shabbos Music Mix brought to you by Kedem starting at uh, starting after that until candle lighting. Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami tomorrow night. Uh, Matis has... Uh, J.M. Sunday, beginning 7 a.m. Eastern Time, Sunday morning. Lots going on, to say the least. Uh, a reminder from our friends at Art Scroll, Rav Chaim Kanievsky on Chumash Bracious has been uh, made available to the public. You get 15% off and free shipping if you use the promo code radio. Go to artscroll.com. Again, use the promo code radio. Enjoy 15% off and free shipping. Uh, if you use that promo code. All right, keep that in mind and enjoy. Go to artsgirl.com and take advantage. David Cutler is going to join us in the 7 o'clock hour, talk a little bit about the NCSY summer programs. Malcolm Honline, he'll join us coming up. He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Rabbi Yudin at uh, 8.15 this morning about Parsha's Bracious. We're at the very beginning. Very, very beginning. Parshas Bracious. How do you like that? And and plenty more here on a Friday. Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. There's a uh, a brand new selection. Oh, what did I do with this? Let me. There we go. Um, brand new selection from Micha Gammerman. It's called Robim. I think the jury's still out regarding the video, frankly. A um, little bit of an interesting video. The song, though, I like it a lot. I think it's really cool. Anyway, here it is. Robim, Micha Gammerman. You're listening to JM in the AM. Robin, 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 my me, I rain a toy, me, I rain a toy, toy, me, I rain a toy. 
face Yeah, they're like, we'll need a miracle to make things okay Everybody's looking for a small little light And I'm like, not being cynical, but I feel alright after me.
Nice tune, huh? Shlomo Katz, that is a good one. Likrat Shabbat. Diaspora before that with Ivdu as Hashem Basimcha. JMM Friday, don't forget Malcolm Holine. Less than an hour from now, he is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us at 7.40 Eastern Time, talk about the news of the day and of the week. Uh, good morning to Yitzchak in Kemp, Kemp Mill, Maryland. Uh, Kemp Mill, Silver Spring, Maryland. He says, good morning, Erev Shabbat Shalom. And to everybody, all of our listeners, good morning and Erev Shabbat Shalom around the world. And if you'd like to comment on our app, if you have your own message you'd like to give to us of any type, Shabbat Shalom or anything else, uh, go to the NSN, Nachum Segal Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Yaakov Shweki's next. You're listening to JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning. Wrapping up the hour with Barry Weber. Shlomo Simcha before that with Huel Okenu and the Hora medley was Yaakov Shweki. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web and the Nachum and the Nachum Network, we're going to, of course, the beloved NSN app. Galei Tzal, Israel Army Radio, next. Galei Tzal, Hashashtayim, Kanehud Graf, Im Mashekoroy Achshav. תאונות דרכים קטלניות בצהריים בכבישי ישראל. בירושלים נהרג רוכב אופנוע כבן שלושים מפגיעת רכב פרטי ברחוב אשר וינר. צוותים של מגן דוד אדום העניקו טיפול לגבר ולשני ילדים נוספים שנפצעו קל. 
רוכב אופניים בן 14 נפצע אנוש בהתנגשות עם כלי רכב בכביש 8544 בין תובל לדיר אל-אסד שבגליל. שניים מנוסעי המכונית נפצעו קל. כולם פונו לקבלת טיפול בבית החולים נהריה. ובתאונה ברמת גן נפצע קשה רוכב קורקנט חשמלי כבן חמישים, ככל הנראה גם כן מפגיעת מכונית ברחוב אלוף שדה פינת יצחק רבין. המשטרה חוקרת את הנסיבות של כל האירועים הללו. מתחילת שנת 2019 נהרגו בתאונות דרכים 268 בני אדם. את הפרטים ריכזו כתבינו יובל שגב, קובי מנדל וליה ספילקין. גורם בכיר במערכת הביטחון מעריך. מי שהציתו את אוהל משמר הגבול אמש סמוך ליצהר, הם שעומדים גם מאחורי פשע השנאה הלילה בכפר הפלסטיני יטמה ליד שכם. כ-30 כלי רכב בכפר הושחתו, צמיגים נוקבו ומספר כתובות רוססו על המכוניות ועל קירות במקום, ביניהן דש מהגבעה ביצהר ושטח צבאי סגור. כתבנו יאיר אורוויטו מזכיר כי טרם נעצרו חשודים בשני האירועים. בנגב התחדשו היום החיפושים אחר תייר בריטי בשם אוליבר מקאפי, שנעלם באזור לפני קרוב לשנתיים. זאת בעקבות מידע מעיבוד מחדש של חומר החקירה בתיק, לפי בקשת היחידה לאיתור נעדרים. המקום האחרון בו שהה התייר בוודאות היה באזור נחל חווה, משם נע לאזור מכתש רמון, ככל הנראה בתחתית המצוק של המכתש. כתבנו רמי שני מוסר ששגריר בריטניה בישראל מלווה את החיפושים, בהם לוקחים חלק עשרות מתנדבי יחידות חילוץ משטרתיות מהדרום ומהנגב, שוטרים ביחידת הכלבנים. מרסל ניניו, מי שהייתה חברה בחוליית הריגול בפרשת עסק הביש, הובאה בצהריים למנוחות בבית העלמין בקיבוץ עינת. בהלווייתה של ניניו, שנפטרה בגיל 89, השתתפו לצד משפחתה וחבריה, ראש המוסד יוסי כהן, ובכירים נוספים בארגון ובאגף המודיעין בצה"ל. ראש הממשלה נתניהו כתב לזכרה. מרסל פעלה באומץ לב ובמסירות נפש למען ביטחון ישראל כחלק מרשת הריגול שפעלה במצרים בשנות החמישים. היא ריצתה על כך 15 שנות מאסר לפני ששבה. בשם כל האזרחים אני מצדיע לה בהערכה ובהוקרת תודה. דברי ראש הממשלה. מזג האוויר. ייתכן גשם מקומי בצפון ובמרכז. קיים חשש לשיטפונות באזור מדבר יהודה וים המלח. בשעות הלילה יהיו ממטרים מלווים בסופות רעמים, בעיקר בדרום מישור החוף והנגב, עם חשש לשיטפונות. מחר מזג האוויר החורפי יימשך, בעיקר במרכז ובדרום. ינשבו רוחות חזקות, וצפוי גם ברד. אלה החדשות שערך היום עידו דוד כהן.
בשלום עטרת בעלה, גם בשמחה ובצער עולה. תוך אמונה עם סגולה, בואי קלה, בואי קלה. לך דודים ליד קלה, ולשם Oh, my God. 
Shlomo Kalbach, whose yard site's coming up uh, in the middle of November, the 16th of uh, Mar Cheshvan. That's why you have a lot of Kalbach Shabbatonim and Kalbach concerts coming up, uh, always this time of year. There he is with Bowie Vishalom before that at Eden, or Eden, with Lachad Dodi here at JM in the AM. Checking out the NSN app. Uh, let's see. Listener uh, DM Frank says, Lachado D was fantastic. Go Astros. <laughs> Bakery Guy says, Good morning. Thank God it's Friday. Keep up the amazing work. Thank you. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you, Bakery Guy. Our uh, AJA carpool number 255 is down in Atlanta, and they are preparing a great kiddish for this Shabbos at the Hashkama Minion. Black and white cookies, water, fruit, vegetables, sunflower seeds, fish animal crackers, gingerbread men, and for the seventh day, they serve the rest of the food. Get it? (laughs) The rest of the food. So let's see. They have the black and white cookies, the water, fruits and vegetables, sunflower seeds, fish, animal crackers, very good, and gingerbread men, very good. They got every day covered, and I like that. The seventh day, the rest of the food. Thank you, listener Daniel, and send our best to everybody down in Atlanta, Georgia. Let them know that the uh, menu at the Hashkama Minion Kiddish made an impact up here in the New York area. 16 minutes after 7 o'clock, good morning. It's Friday at JM in the AM, candlelighting in New York at 541. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh Mar Cheshvan is Tuesday. And Wednesday, Michal Przanski's next at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. with Michal Przanski. Well, it's hard to believe that it's important to talk about NCSY's summer programs in the month of October, but if you want to save some money and make sure you get in, it is important to discuss it in the month of October. Seriously. Uh, go to summer.ncsy.org, summer.ncsy.org, and why we're discussing it now will be evident uh, through our conversation with David Cutler. David Cutler, of course, 
is the director of the NCSY Summer Programs. And on this October to th- uh, October the 25th, he's encouraging everybody to sign up and take advantage of the early bird specials, etc., etc. David Cutler, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Thanks for having me. How are you? Baruch Hashem. Hard to believe that it's important to discuss NCSY summer in the month of October, huh? Uh, for me, no. Because for <laughs> us, uh, this is literally the uh, this is the height of recruitment season. So uh, it is weird to think about that. Really, we're, we're just getting by when you know, by the summer, and we it feels like we just finished our past summer, but we're we're open for summer 2020. We're ready to go. The recruitment season for some of these programs is going to be a very short season, right? It really is. We do we do have a couple programs that will literally be full in the next two weeks. Uh, most of our programs aren't don't fill up that quickly, but certainly in the next you know two to four weeks, uh, you know, for certain programs, you really got to decide where you want to go. And you are conjecturing that a significant percentage of the NCSY summer participants will already be registered by the end of this month, by the end of October. Yeah, we have uh, look. A lot of people really know where they want to go already, and uh, so the ones who are really clear, you know, they sign up really early. Thank God, which is you know good for my uh, my heart rate. Any <laughs> any early bird special that applies to any program will expire on October the thirty first. Yeah, October the thirty first is our our super early bird special. That again, sort of uh, next Thursday uh, is our early bird special. You save either a hundred or two hundred dollars depending on on when you sign up and so on and so forth. But it's uh, and we got we have a really nice spike that goes on people if you know you're going on the program why not why not save a couple bucks all right summer.ncsy.org you can take advantage of the early bird now at summer.ncsy.org there are 22 programs for this upcoming summer you know david cutler many people would have said that 19 or 20 was sufficient why 22 well, we really, we really, again, we're, we're very Baruch Hashem, very, very grateful for uh, for the impact that we're having on the Jewish community. <clears throat> Excuse me. And there are so many different types of kids out there. Uh, there are kids that like to learn. There are kids that want to go to Israel and, and, and you know, really like to just travel the land. And there are some kids who prefer to stay here, you know, domestically and do a, and have a, our, our performing arts program or something else. So we're very diverse. We have so many different offerings for all different ages and all different backgrounds. Uh, so we're at 22 this summer and. Uh, you know, we, we were close to being 24 programs this summer, so we're, we're working on a lot more as we, as we speak. A lot of us find it surprising that public school kids in the United States want to actually spend their summer uh, in, in, in Israel and, uh, in, and a Torah environment, some on different levels, but it's certainly a Torah environment as well. And yet, you continue to add buses of public school youth to the NCSY summer programs. Yeah, it's one of the things we're really most excited about. A number of years ago, you know, we were literally at uh, 65, 70 public school kids. Uh, and by public school kids, we're really saying unaffiliated, you know, Jewish teens from really all over the country and Canada who have very little or no educational background, who've never either kept a Shabbos, certainly most of them never been to Israel. Uh, this past summer we had close to 700 of them, uh, you know, again, from all over the country, for all, for all, from all different backgrounds and all different walks of life. And uh, we're continuing to add to that program. Um, it's through our regions around the country. Um, we even have we even have a program called Yeshiva TJJ Israel, uh, which is literally a learning program uh, for kids in public school 
who went on TJJ, our, our Jerusalem journey, our, our first year uh, public school program for kids to, who were just exposed to, you know, literally to Judaism and to Israel for the first time and to Shabbos. And their second year program is a program where they're literally learning in the morning uh, and then activities, uh, different activities in TULIM and traveling the country in the afternoon and the evening, but literally based Smedr-style learning for kids who've really just become uh, integrated and exposed to Judaism. I love the learning, and uh, it's, it's very exciting that we're adding it. It's a brand-new program for this summer for public school kids. So regular TJJ would not have a, a block of Torah study time like they have in the uh, in the Shiva TJJ program. No, they have they have their chaburas and they have the, you know they learn about the state, the state of Israel and they have different. Uh, they also they have a uh, TJJ has a curriculum that they learn about over the four weeks that starts with you know belief in God and, and Israel and connecting to Judaism and and so many different other topics that are available to them. Uh, but this is real textual uh, you know learning and learning with Rebbeim. We have our Mordechai Burr from Mavaseret. God willing, is going to be learning with them in the mornings, and we have other Rebbeim and other educators that'll be learning with them. Uh, it's like it's real kids who've come back and who are involved. They come back from TJJ and they actually have a program. This is a program that was started by our Southern Florida uh, region, that the, and, and they have kids that come every single week and to a base matters type program and have learning. Um, and they're expanding it to a program that's a follow-up program in Israel, which is really unbelievable. Unreal. David Cutler's with us. He directs the NCSY summer program. Summer org. Summer org. Early bird specials will expire. On October the 31st, they're anticipating hundreds of people registering by the end of this month. So if you have a, a child that you'd like to send to a pretty popular program, get to it, everybody. You want to make sure to take care of it as soon as possible. Tell us about the Yalde or uh, Boys Leadership Program that's new for this year. So we're partnering with uh, with Mig Dalor and Rob Grossman, who I'm sure most people are familiar with. He's uh, he's pretty awesome uh, in Israel. What they do is incredible. So there are these boys who really grew up in Haredi homes, uh, and then for whatever reason they really didn't fit in uh, in their homes anymore, and they they kind of uh, we would say went off the derech a little bit. And they started this school in a campus called Kfar Zoharim uh, with Reb Grossman and Migdalor. And uh, we are working with that population. We're bringing in a bunch of uh, American teenage boys uh, to work with that. They literally they, they spend the day with them learning, woodworking, um, doing all sorts of activities, you know, on the campus and off the campus. But we're, we're, we're learning with these boys and then spending time with them. They literally build, you know, build things around the campus. I, I, I toured the campus this past summer, and they showed me that, oh, the boys built this. And the boys built that, and they're, they, have, they literally build things around the campus, uh, including places if, if people have things have to be fixed. You know, in the places that they build, these boys sit there with the Israeli boys, and they and they fix it together. It's an it's an incredible opportunity, uh, and we're very proud to partner with Rob Grossman and Migdalor. Oh, that's really cool. Works out really nicely. Boy, oh boy, how are you doing on staff? Is this the time of year where you start to worry that it's going to be difficult to fill certain positions? So we we already opened our staff applications the day we we opened up the day after Labor Day. So staff applications have been open already for a month, a month and a half actually. Uh, and look, as we got bigger, you know, we we definitely uh, we definitely need great people. So Baruch Hashem, we uh, you know we we do get the staff that we need, but we really are always looking for good people. And uh, it uh, that that's the the key to our success. The reason we're successful with the help of God is literally our staff members, the directors, the assistant directors, and the staff members that they bring on board. Most of whom are volunteers, which is what you think about it, is an incredible thing. Most people are spending their summers without sleep, uh, working like, you know, working really closely and really hard with, with these teenagers, 
uh, as volunteers. They get a, a little bit of tips, uh, but they they are literally the the number one key to our success. The time that they that they put in, and the bonding that takes place, and the lifelong relationships that are formed uh, from the summer is all because of the incredible staff that we have, starting from the directors all, all you know all the way down. Yeah, no, that's for sure. They are the ones on the front line and doing a great job in all these programs. Uh, the programs are filling up fast, everybody. Uh, email for any information, summer at ncsy.org. That's summer at ncsy.org. For information on the web, it's summer.ncsy.org, summer.ncsy.org. The early bird expires October the 31st. The programs are filling up quickly. There are up to 22 programs already for this upcoming summer of 2020. Uh, if you want a space, a public school program, yeshiva program, whatever it is, you want a space, you want to make sure to take care of it. Now, two more quick things, David Cutler. I, I had mentioned this to you off the air, but I'm going to mention it on the air. Uh, NCSY Summer 2020 put together an amazing program guide. I know it's been included in a whole bunch of newspapers, and it's available, I'm sure, uh, in other venues as well, uh, that describes every single program with the dates, with the staff members, great photos, etc., um, and uh, I, I just think it really sums up the variety of programs that you have and all the different kids from around the U.S. Uh, that you're attracting. So a big yeshikach on that. It was, a, it was a piece that really gave people like myself and others a comprehensive look at what the programs are all about. Yeah, thank you. That's what we're really so proud of. We're so proud of the fact that no matter what your your teenager is like, we, now we even have programs again for for boys and girls in seventh and eighth grade. We have uh, the performing arts girl a program for girls already starting coming out of uh, third grade. Uh, so we're really expanding our horizons, and we're we're very proud of the impact that we're having uh, on the Jewish community. And we encourage the these summer is such a transformative experience, such an, a critical time. The one, one message I, I would give to anybody listening is that the summer is such a critical time for kids to develop and to continue whatever they're building on during the year and uh you know which is excellent for my job security and people who work in summer programs in general um but it really is a very transformative experience it's become like just critical you know schools do an incredible job obviously for the 10 months but that can all be you know for naught uh, or and really totally wiped away if you spend the play, the wrong you know in, in the wrong place for the summer and a productive growth filled experience where you're connecting to your Judaism in such different ways whether it's again whether it's in Israel or Poland or or Baltimore or the Poconos you know with our staff it's uh, it's just critical to spend the summer in, in a transformative growth filled way and uh and we're very proud of the fact that our 22 programs are accomplishing that. And finally, if you're a supporter or parent or anybody of interest who wants to be with NCSY during the summer, we recommend you go to Yom NCSY to see the incredible night that they put together when all the programs are together. And David and his staff will welcome you. Just make sure to speak to them at some point as you make your uh, your plans to be in Israel for the summer of 2020. August the 3rd will be Yom NCSY. And again, if you want to see something spectacular and be part of something really cool, uh, keep that in mind as you make your summer plans. Yeah, we, we encourage everybody this year, the way Tisha B'Av falls out, as everyone hopefully knows, we have a beautiful Kumzitz uh, at the Kotel on which will be Thursday, July 30th, and then Shabbos Nachum, we're going to have an incredible Shabbos at the Kotel. Friday night, we're taking over the Kotel early Shabbos, and we, are, we have slow-mo cats diving. We're going to have a 1,000 people diving Kabbalah Shabbos with us Friday night at the Kotel. Uh, and then Monday night is August 3rd, and we, we are, we're finalizing the, you know, the, the talent and the uh, we have an incredible lineup for that night, but we're encouraging people. If you're in Israel for the summer, you want to come spend a little time with us and be inspired and see what we do. You know that week of of Tishabov and uh, and uh, Shabbos Nachamu and, and Yom Ha'Atzmaut would be a great.
great time to join us and hang out with us a little bit. Check it all out, everybody. Summer.ncsy.org. Summer.ncsy.org. And don't forget the urgency for this week because the early bird specials will wrap up on October the 31st. David Cutler, we thank you. Continued success as uh, you continue to move forward toward the summer of 2020. Amen. Thank you, Nachum, for having me. We appreciate it. We always appreciate talking to you and your partnership, and uh, wish you and everybody a wonderful Shabbos. Thank you so much. Shabbat Shalom to you. David Cutler, he uh, directs Summer NCSY programs, and again, the website, summer.ncsy.org. More coming up. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, with a weekly update about eight minutes from now right here at JM in the AM.
Yonatan Razel with that great Benzion Schenker selection. Hatov is the name of that one. Udi Davidi before that with Curry Bone. You heard Gershon Varoba and Mimkomcha. Candle lighting 541 here in New York. Obentro Shodesh tomorrow. Shodesh Mar Cheshvan will be Tuesday and Wednesday. It's Arab Shabbos Barshas Barashas. Yeah. It all starts again. We begin anew, believe it or not. With Parshas Bracious. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com, JewishWorldReview.com. Uh, you can go to their site and print out thousands of articles about Israel and the Jewish world before Shabbos and uh, enjoy them tonight, tomorrow, whenever. Um, you go to JewishWorldReview.com and uh, check out what they have to offer and enjoy. Open house season is starting for the Yeshiva High Schools. Uh, this coming Sunday, SAR High School up in Riverdale has their um, uh, open house beginning at 9.30 in the morning. You can go to their website, sarhighschool.org. And our friends at the North Shore Hebrew Academy, they've got uh, two open houses. The first one this coming Sunday between 10 and 1. Go to uh, NSHAHS, North Shore Hebrew Academy High School, uh, dot org for information on that, and we'll try to keep you up to date on all the open houses going on as the season for high school recruitment has begun. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for a weekly update on this Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, welcome back to, uh, to you, and it's um, a pleasure to be back on the air you, with you. How would you sum up your... Hiatus. How would you sum up your journey to Israel? Amazing. And anybody who doesn't get a chance to experience Sukkot and the Shal Shregalim, the three holidays, Pesach, Chuos in Israel is really missing something. It's it's a totally different Yom Tov. It's a totally different experience spiritually, physically, in every respect. And, it's, um, and to see so many people there we know and and the, the crowds at the Kotel, 100,000, 150,000 at a time, more than a million people visited in the three weeks before Rosh Hashanah or before Yom Kippur. And then, of course, over Sukkot, huge crowds turning out. And it was really uh, remarkable. It is amazing. And I, I think it was with you that I was discussing pretty recently the, statistic, the statistics about how many American Jews have never been to Israel. It is so much more than anybody listening right now thinks in terms of those who have never been there. And if only they would make a trip, even if it's Sukkot or not Sukkot, if they would make a trip and would spend a few days in Israel, it would be a life-changing experience. And likely uh, their attitudes toward many different things would change in a positive manner. That's right. And it, and it will be the first of many trips once yeah. they have the experience and. Uh, I see it even with non-Jews who who visit Israel and and who tell us uh, and and act on it by returning very quickly thereafter. 
They got to go back. That's the feeling when you when you're back at home. You got to get back to Israel as soon as possible. It's amazing. It's amazing how the country pulls you in. Uh, Jewish, not Jewish, as you just pointed out. Pretty amazing. Uh, here in this country. Uh, so we did um, uh, follow up and read a lot about the uh, report on anti-Semitism and the um, the statistic that close to 90% of American Jews do feel that anti-Semitism is a problem here in the United States, which frankly I was, I was happy to see that collectively as you add together the different categories and different responses, uh, it approached 90%. Uh, on top of that, we you know I don't know if you saw it because, again, you know it took place over the holiday break, but you, you see the Democratic um, a debate for, uh, for the nomination for president. Uh, you have uh, at least one, maybe more candidates who are clearly pro-BDS and make it a point to, to make sure to state so. Uh, you have one who's uh, insisting that aid to Israel be used as leverage um, regarding Israel's policies. I, I mean, when you see this whole atmosphere and this type of uh, these types of um, uh, opinions seep into the public uh, political arena, uh, do you start to do you start to worry about who might be representing one side of the aisle come next year? Well, it's not a question of being on one side of the aisle or a right-left issue, or as many have portrayed. And in fact, the poll that you you referenced indicated that in fact the the Malcolm the Mal- Malcolm, I apologize. We're having again that that usual problem. If you could just get close to the base of the phone. That'd be great. Thank you. Um, that 90% of the respondents said that they saw the threat from the right, and about a, a similar number, maybe slightly less, said that they saw the threat from the left. Right. And that the the truth is that it's coming from all aspects, and it's a continuous, um, continuing to grow, that the numbers of incidents amounts all the time. Hello? Yeah, go right ahead. Is this better? Yeah, it's much better. Okay, so I switched phones. So the, um, and and when asked about the the nature of the threat, you see that people begin to get it. The question is, what do they do about it? And that how much has changed since last year, Pittsburgh? Uh, We saw the arrest of 12 white supremacists reported. We see some other numbers that are coming out and that many synagogues did take action, but the bulk of places still have not taken the proper precautions, according to um, this, this study, also shows that the, that the uh, responses on the part of a very big percentage of our institutions has been, uh, has been weak. And while in the immediate aftermath of incidents we see people reacting, they, they don't. And, and, and we see the numbers, by the way, are not just here. In, in England, the numbers more than doubled. In England and Wales, uh, and with, I don't know, 1,400 incidents and more, remembering that a, a big percentage are really not even reported. And we see the numbers in Argentina, in a part, all over the world, uh, the incidents uh, are, are mounting. And, but we've seen good steps. The Czech Parliament passed a very strong resolution against BDS, against anti-Semitism, against anti-Israel, denying Israel's right to exist as an expression of anti-Semitism, with a vote, I think, was 120 to 20, uh, and other states that have countries that are now considering resolutions or actions that they can take. So with the numbers in Germany, very disturbing that one in four say Jews have too much power and that the anti-Semitism, again, right and left, Muslim, etc., 
uh, indicate that the the numbers are not going down, and the governments really have to do more. And that starts here in our own country. Uh, while the legislation and other initiatives have passed, um, and and uh, in, in Britain, you know, you see it expressed politically, where almost 80% of British Jews said that they would prefer the No Deal Brexit to having Corbyn as as prime minister, even though though most of them did not support Brexit per se. Right. Well, that makes sense. Um, Look, in the context of history, and and we know what to expect already if we have our eyes open and we think back all the different, you know, through, through, through all the different centuries of Jewish existence, none of this is unusual. It just, you know, in in the comfort of the U.S., and again, I know Europe is different, but in the comfort of the U.S., it becomes uncomfortable when these things start to happen, you know, here in, in, in these areas. Um, I I don't know how you feel. I feel a level of discomfort when major candidates or those who are viewed as serious candidates are open BDSers. You're absolutely right, and I, I should have answered that as well. Uh, there were two candidates who have expressed um, support one more more blatantly about uh, using aid to Israel as leverage, something right. rejected always on a bipartisan basis because this the defense is because of the aid that we give it is because a it's an investment in our own security, but b because this is money that is essential, and especially when we see the increasing Iranian threat and the threat from the militias and, and other groups around Israel, which we, we will discuss, I'm sure. Um, and that they openly express these views, including pro-BDS sympathy. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I'm concerned about what we will see at the Democratic Convention in this regard, uh, where last time, you know, the resolution on Jerusalem, et cetera, seemingly passed but, but was declared uh, defeated, mm-hmm. that the, the acceptance of public declarations of this kind is very disturbing, and and this happens on the local level even more than uh, on the national level, but doesn't get reported that way. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll move to the other topics in a minute. I just, you know, like I'm sure you saw the video of the sukkah being uh, demolished by vandals uh, in Michigan, right? One of the one of the hills there, and I, I don't know. And, and again, I I propose the theory that that there is a certain lackadaisical attitude right now between political leaders. And the police departments, especially, I think that's a very, very important part of it in New York, where the police do not feel they have you know, full reign to crack down on, on certain crimes, especially the crimes that seem like minor ones, even though we don't regard them as minor ones generally. Um, I, I don't know, there just seems to be a, 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 an attitude, a pervasive uh, intent around the country among those who, who want to get away with things against Jews to just... Uh, you know, to, to keep testing the authorities, and it doesn't seem like the authorities, generally speaking, are are doing much to crack down on them. Well, I think it, it a depends on the place. Uh, I think NYPD generally has been very responsive. I think there are other police forces around the country that have taken stronger action. Uh, but I think your basic point is right that. There's a dismissive attitude often, or even on the Michigan State University um, campus incident where the sukkah was destroyed, and we saw others where there was swastikas and other defacements. Uh, Already they're saying they have video of two drunken men going in. 
that already is a cover or an excuse for the incident, saying, well, it wasn't right. really intimidated. They were, too, they were drunk and therefore right. did it. No. The fact if they drink and their inhibitions are gone, then the anti-Semitism comes out. Right. And, and we cannot allow, and the pressure has to be on every single institution when there's an incident, that it not be allowed to be brushed under the rug, that there has to be pursued, and that, that is across the board. And we have to see to it that hate crimes are reported, and that's our community's responsibility uh, as well. But that people, when you see something, say something, if something happens, report it. Don't let these things go by and say, well, I won't bother, I won't uh, get involved. We need people to be involved. And, and if, if uh, kids on campus are not feeling safe and we are doing everything with legal actions, with getting donors, with others to, to speak out, to speak to the institutional heads, who often are naive or, or not, it's not malicious on their part, uh, and once brought to their attention, some do it, do more. And others, and we've gotten letters from them after the legal victory in San Francisco State, and they were sent the information, who justify and say everything's under control. We, we don't have any incidents when we know of, of the incidents on their campus. Yeah. All right. I mean, I don't want to belabor the point, but I just I, I keep telling people that when you have a police force that allows, you know, uh, allows goons to throw milk and water at you and you can't act upon it, you know, what? Why on earth would you be out there protecting a Jewish kid, you know, at the risk of, of losing your job or, or, you know, taking action against somebody that would be viewed in a negative uh, in a negative light? And I think that's a big part of it. But, you know, anyway, um, you were you were in Israel last week. You leave Israel and the likelihood of a third election in less than a year is more likely. How do you explain the fact that Prime Minister Netanyahu gave up on trying to form a government? Well, first of all, he he wanted to make the effort and show that he initiated uh, outreach to the blue and white and to everyone to try and create a broad unity party. Obviously, those efforts were doomed to failure, I think, from the start. And now Mr. Gantz is in the blue and white. We're given the mandate uh, and we'll try. Right now, we don't see the option, there are possibilities that Blue and White and Lee could, together with Labor and maybe others, could form a government. If Netanyahu doesn't bring the bloc as he has till now, the right-wing bloc with religious parties and others that have pledged allegiance to him, and he met with them again two days ago and said that they would stick together as a bloc, uh, then we might very well be headed towards a third election, something the people of Israel do not want. They're tired of it. The expense is, is great. The, the burden on society and the outcome by every poll now would be more or less the same, with the <laughs> exception that I think Lieberman would finally pay a price for his having been the cause of the second round of elections by not uh, joining. And the, uh, the polls show that his vote would be cut in half. That, of course, is very fluid, and it depends on the pollster, et cetera, and the sample that they choose. But no indication that you would have a vastly different outcome uh, than now. Why do so you... there, there are negotiations which include what happens if Netanyahu gets indicted and he would suspend himself. What could they agree on some formula by which his place would be filled if he had the initial rotation? Uh, they, they're talking about what, a minority government. Could there be a government that is formed with the Arab uh, parties uh, using their seats together with the blue and white, and uh, even though they wouldn't join the government, but they would vote 
they need 61 votes in order to get it approved, get the new government approved, would they be part of it? So these are there are very complicated uh, issues involved, and we'll have to see. Uh, I think that the real progress will be in the last week before the decision about a new election <laughs> has to be made. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world, the web at on the Nahum Siegel Network, and of course in the beloved NSN app. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Siegel Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Why do you think they stuck with him? If there's a likelihood that a different right-wing leader could actually form a government and avoid the new election, why do you think everybody on the right declared an allegiance to Netanyahu at this point? Well, first of all, because he's seen as the most competent person, probably, and because he's uh, he's very clever in, in pulling people together and backing him. I don't know when it comes to the crunch what the attitude will be, whether I mean, they'd be willing to they're, come up. They're this close to a Lieberman right-wing coalition if they just get rid of Bibi. They're this close to it. And then no election and a majority government. Well, first of all, I think that uh, getting rid of Bibi is is not the way that mostly could members think, although, I mean, I had discussions with many, and, and I've talked about openly the Bibi fatigue, that after 12 years, people won't change. Um, and, of course, you have the legal issues right. overhanging and many other things. But generally what people's comments are is that he is a, a leader. There are people in Likud who have been talked about, Saar, Erdan, others, who and Saar, ahead of the pack, um, uh, to be to be successors, but I think no one wants to go out and look like they they're being disloyal or would disrupt we uh, could right now. That's one of the options that will be open in that those final days to avoid another election. Wow! And um, and if there is another, as you've said to us, if there is another one, it's likely going to be in February of 2020, right? That is right. You need to give three months' notice. So if you uh, to, in order to have it, and that's, again... You know, it's funny... It's it, probably on the first anniversary of the first round. It's funny because uh, as all this was happening over the Yuntif season, I think, unless I'm the only crazy one, I think most people just assumed that he was going to f- somehow pull this out. He's never been given the challenge of forming a government and failed at it, and we just thought that he, you know, he'd figure it out. He'd, he'd come up with the right negotiation ploy and, and you know, end up forming a government. And when he, that's why I say when he gave back the mandate and then it was given to Gans, it was, uh, to, to me it was a little bit of a shake-up uh, you know, to even believe that Bibi couldn't do it. Um, I don't know if it was as dramatic. I don't dramatic. think that. I, I think for most Israelis and others knew that, uh, or certainly those who followed this closely, knew that the likelihood of his forming a government was minimal because everybody knows where people stand. Now the question is, will there be defections from Blue and White or from Likud or from other parties, which is not predictable? Uh, and, and Netanyahu, given the charge by the president, um, had to show that he was making every effort, and therefore in his press conference emphasized that, that he gave them every option in order to have a broad unity government, which he said the people of Israel want. That's what Gan says also, that, that the people wanted. Um, and again, you know, there are anomalies of Israeli politics because of the list system, because of the structure of it, which are foreign to most Americans and and seem very confusing. But this time, I found most Israelis confused as well and and yeah. unsure about what the course would be. Um, and, I'm talking about political people. Yeah, yeah and even if uh, he does form a government, meaning Gans, 
And even if there's another election, frankly, it's going to be a weak government. Whatever it is, it's not going to be viewed as a strong government. And Israel needs a strong government right now. Look at the challenges. First of all, you see the whole world, from Lebanon to Chile to Hong Kong to Iraq, the Jordan, the huge demonstrations that are taking place, in some cases for different reasons, but this whole atmosphere of unrest and of of, uh, public demonstrations against corruption, which is good, and against Iran in some of these cases, which is good, but... The, the world is is in a very tense and and delicate, I think, uh, posture. And the Middle East, in particular, is in a very uh, concerning position. And you see the the Security Cabinet meeting for the second time about the danger of a cruise missile attack from Iran, which I spoke to military people about, and is not a ploy or a, a, an exercise. It is a real concern. They saw how effective the Iranian attack on Saudi Arabia was, where they used these combination missile and unmanned vehicle, uh, uh, you know, uh, drones that hit with such precision every target so that there is a high alert about this and a real concern. But we see Lebanon exploding with demonstrations, uh, criticizing Hezbollah, criticizing Nasrallah, criticizing Hariri, the, the government of, of Lebanon, which for Israel, and, and if they want a diversion, Israel has to be concerned that they will escalate tensions on, on the border, so that, Gaza, that, it's always... It took way too long to get to this point, right? I mean, Hezbollah has had such a stronghold there for so long. Now, suddenly, there's a there's a, you know an uprising against them? Well, it's, the uprising is really against the corruption. and But they see that, that Hezbollah and, and the fact that the demonstrations are taking place in Shiite population centers, which are the basis support for uh, Hezbollah, um, that the... Uh, uh, you know that uh, that they are all worried, and and in Iraq, the demonstrations also taking on an anti-Iranian nature in public uh, way, with Bani Sadr and others uh, coming out against the the Iranians, and again in Shiite areas, which is obviously the, their their base. So the um, well, what's happening in Lebanon is against the the current government. It's against the arrangement. There's a fear about a war. The people don't want a war. But they know that they could easily be dragged into it by uh, by Hezbollah, and the fact that Iran doesn't have the money right now, the financial resources because of the sanctions, to buy off everybody as they did before. They spend money on what they think was important, but we know that Hezbollah fighters haven't been paid, others, and that they use these kind of funds, and they're very extended uh, in different places, including in the, in Syria. That the, the people are saying that's not what where we want to see the money go when we have such high unemployment when we have real economic uh, crises uh, uh, going on. So you have um, um, you know so so many uh, areas of unrest and so many potential explosive uh, periods. It's one of the things that drives Putin and Erdogan and Iran together. It's not because they love each other. It's not because they you know really want to support each other because each one has a vested interest in either stability, it's Russia expanding its influence, having four bases there, you know, now being a, the, the dominant factor with a minimal investment, which I've talked about for a long time and, mm-hmm. and credit him, uh, Putin, with uh, how he's able to manipulate these situations. He, he neutralizes Turkey, which has always been the soft underbelly of, of Russia and the traditional hatred that existed there. Is that what he did this week? Would you call it neutralizing? Uh, I would say that to a degree, yes, that he, he was able to put him and the Syrian forces in, that Erdogan uh, agreed to it, and and 
supposedly is in the ceasefire, even though the Kurds tell me that he's not really honoring the ceasefire. And uh, 300,000 people have been displaced, and a couple hundred, three, four hundred were killed already. If there is a ceasefire, does the U.S. have any influence on establishing that ceasefire? No. Nothing? Because, you know, there are there are journalists writing that there was it was a joint U.S.-Russian pressure on Turkey to, to get this done. No. So the United States was involved in the first round, and they agreed to a certain demil- uh, uh, zone that would be a security zone. Now the Russians have tripled it in their agreement with mm. Turkey, and they're the ones who are negotiating uh, uh, with them. And, the you know, of course, Syria wants to see Iran diminished. They don't want to see Turkey being given too big of a role. You also have the likelihood of, of them populating this area with uh, Syrian refugees from Turkey, and that will affect the demographic balances uh, as well in, in the area. I mean, you're talking about uh, right now that Turkey holds a 900-square-mile area. It's not – on the map it looks very small, but it, it isn't really. And, you know, you have uh, – you know, if it comes to a ground war – the Bershmoga will give the, the Kurdish forces, will give the Iranians a real run for their money. They're tough fighters. But as long as there's a, there is no no-fly zone, which is what a, 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 the singular advantage of Turkey, because they have an air force, they can bomb. They don't have to get, get into the trenches, and literally trenches. You have tunnels underneath many of these cities that the Kurds prepared, and they can... They, they proved themselves to be effective fighters against ISIS, etc. And they were trained by U.S. forces about what to do in the event of an invasion with multiple fallback lines, etc. So the the um, uh, the Syrian army uh, joined the Kurds in some areas before. You have uh, alliances. Now they feel demoralized. They feel isolated. The Kurds. Uh, and as I said, I, I met with some of them uh, this past week, and the. Um, um, and, and they can be the swing population. Remember, there are tens of millions of them across Turkey, Iran, Iraq, and Syria. And that's why they don't give them an independent status or a state, because they would be a dynamic and an important force in the region could and, challenge these other governments. And now U.S. interests are irrelevant to them. Now they, they feel uh, they, they raise a lot of questions. They say they were surprised by the decision, even though... We had a minimal presence. We had a thousand soldiers, and now they've been redeployed. They have not been taken out, and Iraq said they can't come there. So they've actually been redeployed to protect the oil sources in Syria, the oil fields, and especially with the reports that ISIS fighters have been released. We don't know yet how many, but they were being held by the Kurds in prisons and administered by the Kurds. The um, and they are turning to the defense of the areas and and many leaving. So therefore, ISIS fighters and their families have been getting out. Uh, we don't know again the exact numbers, but it it represents a threat and they can regroup both in Iraq and in 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 Syria. So the um, you know Iran is rebuilding forces in the areas. It, it, it you know it's so complex. I could talk about each of the things. You know, Iran took control of seven towns on the Euphrates inside uh, Syria, which obviously the Syrians don't want, the Russians don't want. And the question is, will they be challenged? And what kind of uh, how will they take advantage of the current uh, situation? We know they've done ethnic cleansing. You know that they built infrastructure. Their real goal is to get near the Golan, to be able to attack Israel. They keep talking about an attack on Israel. 
You see that the Russians and the, the have announced that they uh, a plan for peace in the Gulf, and the Iranians announced a plan for peace in the Gulf, so that they're all trying to position themselves as regional hegemonics, as, as regional powers, mm-hmm. and and Russia with nothing and an economy that is is uh, minimal has exploited all these situations. And don't forget Turkey you, and you, China you, coming in soon, and absolutely Turkey as well. Yeah, you've described to us how that's been his attitude all along. He's the he's the leader of the uh, of the region, no matter what anyone else thinks. Well, he wants to be the sultan, just yeah. as uh, I mean, he wants to be the head of the, uh, the Persian Empire, and Russia reestablishing the former Soviet Union, or at least the control, the expansive control. And you have to see that he neutralized what it's for was the Tsarist challenge for centuries, the challenge of the soft underbelly threatened by, you know, the Ottoman Empire from the south, and now. They have neutralized all of these countries and made themselves uh, the court. Now, it could all backfire. I mean, with the situation in Syria, who, who's going to be responsible for rebuilding? It's costing hundreds of billions of dollars it will cost to do it and take decades. Who's going to take responsibility for it? If, if Russia is the dominant force, they're going to walk away. Many of them you know, try to blame the Europeans and say they didn't do enough, which is always valid. The Europeans are to blame for a lot of things. Uh, you know, even Albania uh, announced that they they um, foil a plot by Iran to kill Iranian dissidents in the country, and talked about how the Quds Force have foreign operations, foreign ops units in Turkey, Austria, other countries operating to kill dissidents. Where's the outrage? Where's the response to it? There's just so many things going on right now that the it's hard for people to wrap their heads around it. And, of course, we look primarily at the threats to Israel and mm-hmm. American interests and security, uh, that in Jordan now we have serious demonstrations targeting the queen, Queen Rania, who is a Palestinian, and the charges that she's diverted funds towards to serve the Palestinians, that she, the corruption, saying she's taken money, lands, given to her family, to, to her people, not to the uh, Bedouins, who, who are the majority, and... and um, this is a serious issue, so much so that she actually issued a public retort yesterday, which is not a common thing for a queen to, to get up and, and defend herself publicly or feel the need to against these, um, these criticisms. And Jordan is always a very delicate balance, and, and uh, the, stable, uh, the instability there can have broad ramifications, and the protection of the king has always been a priority for Israel to keep stability there. But these internal conflicts are, are really serious, and we saw 150,000 people demonstrating in Iraq, despite the, the clampdown on them and the Iranian threats against them. In the old days, we used to like when enemies of Israel would beat each other up and be preoccupied with that, but now it seems... That- Absolutely. Now, it's, now it seems there are just too many players, though. There are too many, you know, at the, at the same time that you're watching all of these uh, different countries and, and groups go at each other, as you just described, there's certain times that Israel needs to move in, whether that means physically move in or not, uh, to establish some stability or at least, you know, make the effort towards stability. And as, that these wildfires can spread, you know, like the California fires, they can spread and, and have unintended or unexpected consequences far beyond even the borders of these individual countries. You know, a couple of weeks ago with the whole development with the U.S., uh, the, the conjecture was that ISIS would be much better off. Now, today, two weeks later, do we think that, in fact, ISIS is much better off from their point of view? 
I wouldn't say much better off, but uh, I mean, a number of them did escape, and they they are trying to regroup both in Syria and and in Iraq. Um, I think it's a concern. I certainly hear from many people, um, military and others, about the potential implications of, uh, of ISIS there. And they are also fighting, there are ISIS guys who are fighting with the forces. And um, some of the Kurds told me that they beheaded people. They, they used the same tactics that they used before, they're using now. And the, um, it's, it's certainly a matter of, should be a matter of concern to everyone. Pompeo shows up in Israel. He gives Israel what type of assurance? What's the message there? That we're not abandoning you, that we will be here for you, that we're not, we're pulling out from this limited commitment. Um, again, the, the problem is not the reality on the ground or the intent, it's right. the perception. Yeah, of course. And I heard it from every Arab leader when they were here that they're concerned about where is America and what's, what is it doing. In the end, it could be that we're sticking it to the responsibility for Syria and the internal conflicts to the Russians and others who are going to find themselves with a burden right. that is going to be very great. Russia has a way of always shifting its onus. But the, you know, when you're talking about millions of refugees, you're talking about you know, all of the different interest groups and, and uh, militias that are operative. And one of the things that, that unites them is an external enemy. But this, but it, we see it, by the way, just one point in Turkey, where you had that you know divisive election and defeat of Erdogan. Today, the people of Turkey are united behind him. Right. But in light of this conversation, meaning what we've discussed this morning, it just Pompeo shows up. The answer to him might be, and again, I'm not suggesting someone react this way, but you'll get my point. Is you know, who are you to say anything? Erdogan and Putin are basically in charge now, or you know, are fighting are fighting out who in fact is in charge of what the future of Syria is all about. It's sort of like, you know, the the U.S. pulls away, and I get the, the importance of, you know, guaranteeing they're not going to abandon Israel. I get all that. But in terms of, you know, showing up and saying that they, and, and alluding to the fact that they might still have a role in it, it looks silly compared to what's really going on. Well, the United States always has a role, and we have to see what the next phases will be. But I, I, I share the concern about the perception that's been created. I share the, the concern that our allies, when we see the UAE paying off Iran several hundred, seven, eight hundred million dollars for some uh, uh, debt, that the uh, negotiations, including supposedly between Saudi Arabia and Iran, because they no longer feel confident that the West will stand by them, including the United States, that those are some of the ramifications that we can see, and, and they will have to think twice before they make a commitment to something, if they're unsure about what the who will be standing with them and what the, what potential consequences could arise. Right. You see the the uh, escalating um, tensions continue in the Persian Gulf area and other areas. Uh, CC has had demonstrations. Uh, all of our allies have faced them. Um, and the uh, so so the message is like a visit by Pompeo went to reassure reassure our allies in the region, including Israel, it is important. But the question is, what are they saying to the Russians, and what the Russians are the the force that has to make sure that the Iranians are limited and and allow Israel the the ability to to respond as they have, uh, and Israel has to weigh now what would there be a would that enable Iran then to have an excuse to strike back. Yeah. Uh, well, y you have to be thankful, or at least you have to be impressed, um, with the attitude that the uh, that our community in Israel, or our brothers and sisters in Israel, 
are having toward the holy sites uh, as as so many of the uh, world organizations and figures try to cut away or cut out our connection to certain sites that are important to our history to see that in the year 5779 close to 4000 people ascended onto the temple mount we're not going to have the halakhic discussion now you get my point uh, and and just to see the attitude of so many thousands, I'm sure you saw over Sukkot, the people, you know, heading to different areas, whether it be Merata Machpelah, Kevrachel, etc., etc., etc. The list is very long. Thank God of our holy sites. At, at least that that you've demanded of our community that we not uh, give in to the enemy and let go of that connection, let them dictate um, the narrative about those uh, holy sites. At least, at least that's a big positive that we could see these days. Absolutely, and there are so many new discoveries. In my family, we were able to visit some. Just in Ir David, this little tiny uh, hatch of land, so much has been so much has been discovered, and every shovel on the ground is uncovering new things and new discoveries. Uh, the same thing at the Minorota Kotel, and to see the the developments there, uh, both those that have been revealed so far and, and overall not, but. In every part of Israel, there are, are new discoveries and so much to see, all of which vindicates our claim, our history, the Tanakh, and and how people aren't excited. And I ask them, when you take your kids, take one half of the day of your touring time and connect them to their past. Yeah. If you want to reassure them, do you want to show them, you know, bring the Torah to life, and, and when they study about it, that they'll have a new relevance for them and a new excitement for them. And it really surprises me that, that people don't even take a fraction of a day and, and devote it to, to this. They can do it just in Jerusalem. They can do it anywhere in Israel today because there are so many amazing excavations and discoveries that, that are taking place. And that reinforces us. It gives us the strength to know our connection to the past, to be able to meet the challenges of the future. And Kaddish Baruch Hu is blessing us with so many opportunities that I hope people really at least talk about it on Shabbos, talk about the discoveries, talk about the the, the, the revelations of these um, digs, uh, really uh, confirming everything that uh, that the Tanakh teaches us. And the Torah starts with Bracious specifically to remind us that uh, Eretz Israel, the land of Israel, is God's gift to the Jewish people. Listematem, that when Rashi says that the reason it begins with the creation of the world and not the first mitzvah is because it's, he said, in the time will come when the nations of the world will say, you stole the land. Think about this, a thousand years ago already, <laughs> anticipating BDS That's right. and, and the UN. That's and right. saying, we begin so it would remind everybody. And Hirsch says it's not because the non-Jews will have doubts. It's because Jews will have doubts. That's yep. the greatest danger. Yep. And sure enough, unfortunately, we see too many Jews with those doubts, hopefully more trips to Israel and some uh, good advocacy will will change their minds somewhat on that issue. Uh, Malcolm, I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again next week. Great. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Friday morning, 740 Eastern Time for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Candlelighting in New York, 541. We will bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Mar Cheshvan, Tuesday and Wednesday. Again, candles 541 here in New York. Oh, a reminder, if you're in Israel, you're changing the clock tomorrow night. The clock goes back tomorrow night in Israel. It'll be a six-hour difference for one week until we go to standard time next Sunday. So again, on Sunday, uh, early in the morning, it is a um, a fall back for Israel time-wise, and then a week later we'll do it, so it'll be a six-hour difference starting Sunday, and then it'll be back to seven hours 
a week from Sunday. This th- Sunday, this time each and every Friday, every hour of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to a, a Rabbi Emeritus Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good have Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Bereshis. Wow. We begin a new year, a new cycle, and there is so much to say because the greatness of our Torah, as I compare it to the vegetable of an onion, is that there are layers and layers and layers, and every time we are privileged to study Torah, we find greater insight and greater understanding. On the surface, Pasha's Bereshis has to be one of the most challenging and difficult parshios in the Torah. It spans almost 1,000 years, the first 1,000 years of civilization from the creation of man till the birth of Noah. And I'd like to focus this morning on two words from the parsha, namely, Naase Adam. In chapter 1, Pasuk 26, Hashem says, Naase Adam, let us make man. Now that in of itself is exceedingly problematic. What is this us? And in fact, Rashi picks up on this immediately and says, take a look. Even though the angels did not assist Hashem in the creation of man, and moreover, by using the term na'aseh, let us, Hashem gives room for those who wish to challenge and say that, God forbid, there is more than one God. Hashem still chose to use the term Nase, let us, to teach us Derech Eretz, to teach us the proper behavior and Midas Anova, to teach us the trait of humility, Sheha Godol Nimloch Vinotel Rishus Minakotan, that the greater one should consult and take permission from the lesser one. The CEO, the one that truthfully might, the buck stops by him and might be the one making the decisions, should not be the one doing it by himself, but rather should open it up in the boardroom to listen to others, and then, after listening to others and getting and gaining and growing from their uh, opinions, giving them kavod, then he will make the ultimate you know, decision. However, there are additional teachings to Nasa Adam, which I would like to share with you. The Nefesh Achayim in Shar Aleph, 
Perik Vav teaches that when Hashem says, Na'ase Adam, let us make man, he's basically pointing out that man, as we know, was created last. And as such, what did Hashem do? Hashem took of the nature of all the creatures and creations that had been made prior to him, all of the behemoth, chayova of all of the domestic animals, the wild animals, the birds, and indeed all of creation, and he incorporated some of their unique nature into man. So, therefore, man, he is a composite of all. In addition, some of the upper spheres, the lower spheres, they're all incorporated into man. And interestingly, this is how the Be'er Yosef explains that unlike every other creature in creation, when they are born, they are either tahor, what you would call pure, or a kosher animal, or they are tamay, impure, non-kosher. If they're born pure, they stay pure. If they're born impure, they stay that way. Man is different. He is the only creature that vacillates from pure to impure. And when he's pure, he can eat korbanos. When he's pure, he can go into the base Hamigdash. And when he's tamay and he's impure, he can't eat a korban and he can't enter the base Hamigdash. And why is this? Because man contains within himself that character, ingredients of both the pure and the impure. He is a composite of the entirety of nature, and therefore, let us, Hashem is speaking to all that was created, says the Nefesh HaChayim, before man. And in addition, what can we learn from this? That man is to learn from all that came before him. We find in Perik Shira, this collection teaches that from every part of the Bria, every part of nature, we are to learn from their distinct characteristics. And just as each has its unique character, for example, Hashamayim Mesaprim Kvod Kale. Literally, as we say in Tilim 19, every Shabbos and Yom Tov in the Psuke de Zimra, that the heavens literally praise and uh, provide honor to God. It's literally a big symphony that's going on upstairs. A man just has to be attuned to realize. For example, we find in the 10th chapter of the book of Yoshua that when Joshua 
wants the sun to stand still, he does not say, looking up at the heavens, Shemesh begivon amod. He doesn't say, let the sun overgivon stand still, but he says, Shemesh begivon dome. He says, the sun overgivon keep silent. What does that mean, keep silent? It means not like, quote, whistle while you work, but more than that, that the very movement of the sun is praise of Hashem. And therefore, he was telling the sun to stand still, not to move, and for that moment, the praise of God, as if Kaveyocho could stop. And the Perik Shira continues with to learn from each of the individual creations. And so, Klavim, the dogs, Mahim Umrim, and the verse that's cited on behalf of the dogs is, Bo'u, let us come, Nishtachaveh, let us prostrate, V'nichra'a, and bow, Nivracha, Lifnei Hashem Oseinu, and let us bless before Hashem, our Maker. We learn and ought to learn from the dog their loyalty to their master. And as they are so loyal, so too we are to be loyal to our master, ever grateful and appreciative of how our Master provides for us every single breath and provides us with our sustenance every single day. We're to learn from the Namala, we're to learn from the ant. The Medrash teaches us that the lifespan of an ant is approximately six months. And yet, Our rabbis studied the nature of the ant and they found that it gathers much more food than it would need for six months of a lifetime. And the reason that they give is because each individual ant says, perhaps Hashem will grant me Hashem will grant me longevity of life. In other words, learn from the ant to have emunah, to have trust, to have bitachon, to have faith in God, and to have this personal relationship with Hashem. And let's go beyond. What does it mean, Nase Adam, let us make man? The idea is that the rabbis teach us that Hashem and man himself, let us, Hashem and man, there's a partnership. And this is based upon the Sefer Ho'ikarim in Maimar Shlishi, Perig Beis, whereby he points out that there are two types of Shlemus, two types of completion. There's a Shlemus Rishon and a Shlemus Acharon. There is the first type of 
completion whereby an entity or a being, an animal, is created, and as it is created, it is complete. The Talmud teaches Shor Ben Yomo Korui Shor. The ox on the day of its birth is equipped with all the intelligence that it needs. It doesn't go to the ox school, nor does it acquire any more intelligence. So, immediately after birth, should it be in the proximity of fire, it's going to run away and not towards the fire. That's one kind of shlemus, one kind of completion that the animal is born with all of its faculties and all of its composition. The second time of sh- type of shlebus or completion is when one's potential is actualized. And therefore, the rabbis say, take note, that when it comes to the Baalei Chaim, when it comes to the animals, it says after their creation, Vayaralukim Kitov, Hashem saw that it was good. Why? Because the way it was created, that is the way it remained. And therefore, immediately Hashem could say, Kitov, it's there to serve mankind. However, by man, it does not say Kitov. Why? Because Naase Adam, man has to work upon himself. It's a life long process of man constantly developing and improving himself. And moreover, regarding the animals, we find that the Torah uses the term again and again, and regarding their creation, it is a specific species that was created. But within that species, many dogs, many fish, many monkeys, etc. However, when it comes to man, no, man was created as an individual, like the Mishnah teaches in the fourth parak of Sanhedrin, the Fichach says the Mishnah, Nivra Adam Yechidi. Therefore, man was created singly as an individual. Lelamedcha, to teach us many different things. One, that nefesh achas mi Yisrael, and this was the way they warned witnesses in a case of capital punishment, that if God forbid they were lying, and they were causing an innocent person to die, whoever destroys even a single life from Israel, the scripture, God looks upon it, as if he destroyed it, an entire world, and going beyond. The Mishnah goes on and says, take note, this comes to teach the greatness of God. If man mints many coins from one mold, 
they are all alike. However, Melech Malchi Amlochim Hakadosh Baruch Hu Hashem Yisbarach Tovakol Adam Bechosam Oshal Adam Arishon. Every man has been minted from the mold of Adam, the very first man. V'ein Echad Mehen Domeh Lachaveiro, and no one is like another. This is so incredibly fantastic, the uniqueness of man, that Hashem says to each individual, it's a partnership, let us make man. And therefore, I say that Parshas Bereshis is not just the history as to how man came into being, but it speaks to each and every one of us individually and says that we have to constantly remake ourselves. We start again, a new Bereshis, a new Derech Eretz, we have to enhance and improve our own character. And therefore, I strongly recommend that everybody goes to their local Svarim store and everybody browses and everybody chooses and looks over those Svarim which are going to literally help change their lives. Whether you go to the Nefesh Achayim, to the Tomer Devorah, to the Mesilas Yeshorim, to the Chobos Halavavos, whether you go to all these works which have been translated, thank God, into English, to Rav Pliskin, with his gateways to happiness and self-knowledge, to the most recent Moshe Dun, Rav Moshe Dun Kestenbaum in the Olos Hamidos. There is so much out there in every language. Use this opportunity to understand that when Hashem says, Na'ase Adam, He wasn't talking about not only 5,780 years ago, but He's talking right now in the year 5,780 to each and every one of us. Shabbat Shalom to all. Oh, my God.
J.M. in the A.M., Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Chaim Shal Shalom, Birchas HaChodesh, done by Leif Tahar. We bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Mar Cheshvan is going to be Tuesday and Wednesday. That's right, Tuesday and Wednesday, two-day Rosh Chodesh. Get ready, everybody. Uh, before that, Micha Gamerman with Shalom Aleichem here at the J.M. in the A.M. Um, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Parshas Bracious, candlelighting at 541 here in the New York area. Make sure to be tuned into our great programming all through the weekend. Table for Two with Naomi Nachman, an encore presentation, comes up at 9 o'clock Eastern Time. Then the Erev Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That happens at 10 o'clock. Erev Shabbos Music Mix is brought to you by our friends at Kedem right after the Harry Rothenberg video blog about Parsha's Bracious. Uh, tomorrow night at Saturday Night Siegel of Rummy, Rabbi, Rabbi um, Eliezer Zwickler. Um... And then on a Sunday morning, Matis has a JM Sunday beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time Live. Make sure to be tuned in. And, of course, we're back here on Monday morning. A lot going on. Between now and the next time we speak, a lot going on, to say the least. And I uh, am flattered that you make sure to tune in as much as possible to us right here at JM in the AM. I thank you for that. Yaakov Shweki is next at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. with Yaakov Shweki and Muzika. Time to say good Shabbos on this Friday era of Shabbos Parshas Bracious. Candle lighting in New York, 541. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh Mar Cheshvan will be Tuesday and Wednesday. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at J.M. in the A.M.
the sun is going down It's shining through the trees Another week's gone by Become a memory So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and AchimSingle.com, and the AchimSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing week for us, a short week, but amazing one here at JM and the AM and the AchimSingle Network. Make sure to be tuned into all of our great programming. Friday programming continues now with Naomi Nachman, an encore presentation of Table for Two. 
Uh, and of course, uh, great programming all through the day. Tomorrow night, it's Avrami with Saturday Night Seagull. On Sunday, it's Matis with JM Sunday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Monday morning, we're back starting at 6 a.m. with JM and the AM. Make sure to be tuned in. And next week, we got a full week, and it's going to be a big week. That I can guarantee you. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Until next week, Nachum Single reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future. Mm-hmm.